Thank you, Lord. As you guys are seated, we are going to ask for our children now to be dismissed to Children's Church. If you're visiting today and you have somebody who's age four through fifth grade, you can walk back there with them, drop them off, and know that they will get good instruction and a fun time learning about Jesus this morning. Amen. We will now have the reading of the word. In the early 50s, a man named Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who loses that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And some four years later, he gave himself away. He was speared to death as a missionary in the jungle of Ecuador by primitive Stone Age Indians. When he wrote that in his diary, he was 22 years old. It's very humbling. Give attention now to the reading of God's word for today's message. It comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31. For just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with Christ for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit for the body does not consist of one member but of many if the foot shall say because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sense of, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand of the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and, individual, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? 
but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. The Word of God. Is once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church, and as we continue in this sermon series through the mission of Christ Central Church, I want to encourage you, um, if you didn't hear last week's message, to go online and hear it, to couple it with this one. I wasn't expecting to preach today, but God put it this way so that maybe we can have these two go together to kind of give a better picture of what it means for us to be a church that grows in diverse community. This is like last week's sermon magnified, like going in deeper on this message of growing in diverse community. And last week, um, we touched on what it meant to be a community that is like one body of diverse people. As I think about our church and who we are in here, um, this is going to be a real hard mess. Mm -hmm. We are all different, with different gifts and abilities, all kinds of stories, idiosyncrasies and weirdnesses, if that's a word. Much like the church at Corinth that this letter was written to. But being compared to the people in the church of Corinth is nothing to brag about. We'll go ahead and say that. Or even aspire to necessarily. But the instruction and guidance given here at least fits for our church and our world, especially when God has given this church, Christ Central Church, the challenge and mission to be a diverse community gathered around Jesus as Lord. There are a few things I believe we should hear about from this passage. First... It was God who called his people to be together. Secondly, he made his people to be together. And finally, he gives his life for his people to be together. And so as we look around at who we are as a church, you've got to wonder, as I do, especially when I get up here and I can see all y'all, how did y'all get here? And how we got together like this, like this diverse group the apostle is writing about in this passage. Well, the Bible is teaching us that God called believers to be together and that each one of us was called by the same God. The Bible is teaching that regardless of who you are and where you came from or what your history is, God reached and called out to a diversity of people and called each one of his people to himself, which means this, as the scripture says in verse 13, we are all baptized by one spirit. That if you're a believer, if you ever become a believer, the same God called each one and all of, us, all of you and us, which means this. We have the same daddy. Spiritually, of course. We have the same heritage. And that says a lot. It means that we were all adopted by God, which is connected to baptism, which is like a branding, an outward sign that we were elected, that we were called, that we were chosen to be in this family by one father, by God. Let me say it again. Every believer in the world has the same daddy and father. I say father. Because each one of you believers in here and out there were reborn. You were born again. You became a new creation by God through Christ's work. And as the scripture here says, by the Spirit's baptism. 
What that means is something spiritually dramatic happened to all and each one of God's people by the work of the same God. That God's people, regardless of where they are, who they are, even what spiritual condition they are in, have the same spiritual DNA rolling around in them, and that changes everything and has the making for some dramatic stories when it comes to the call to a diverse community who are called to be unified. Reminds me of when I, um, Emmett Smith played running back for the Cowboys. He used to. And they had a show when they would check your DNA and analyze it. It's really moving because when it was revealed, like most African Americans, that he shared the bloodlines of those who were white Americans, right? And even beyond that, he, he became, he, he broke down even further, it got crazy emotional for him when he realized that he, like he, like mo, almost all African Americans, have the blood of the color, blood of people uh, who were their oppressor or oppressors. The same blood? In Charleston, there are two churches, two Methodist churches. And if you go down the names of the historic families that were in there, they have the same last names. One black church, one white church. Somewhere in the history, right, they they are brothers and sisters and cousins because somewhere down the line, they have the same father. I say this as I believe the apostle here is speaking to a pretty diverse community called to be one church in Corinth to express the crazy unity that having the same father calls believers to. It is not natural. It doesn't make good human sense. It is spiritual, so it doesn't always look like it is right or should work or feel right or true considering all of the political and social and gender issues between us, even in this church, right? Being called by God himself means that all the broken and screwed up and sinful and neglectful and harmful stuff humans have done to themselves and others in their personal lives and and, and national histories. Get, Get this. It could not and it did not and it still will not stop God's calling any one of you. God broke through all of that stuff, the apostle was saying. He cut through it to bridge the division between us and him. But which also then puts a scary connection between all who are his people. You who are his are called to be together because you have the same spiritual father, right? Which means then we are called to be in the same family. Look with me at verse 12 in your reading here. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Hear this now. Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He is saying that if you have the same father then, you are in God's kingdom, eating at the same table, in the same house, which means believers are called to equal standing in and as a part of God's family. In Greek culture, um, they actually ate and drank different stuff 
to show which class they were in, to show what people group you were in, right? It would divide people based on what food was at, on the table and what was able to be afforded and what wasn't. It, it would divide people into social orders and groups. And it's true for us today. Think about how we serve chicken, right? With or without the bone, right? It matters culturally to some people. Or do you eat any part of the chicken outside of the chicken breast, right? Or even past chicken. If you eat any part of a foot of any animal, right? <laughs> or the tail of anything, or the entrails of anything, or the organ of anything, and gather around that and are joined around to that. And that you see, that stuff says a lot, right? It says class, and it says culture, and it stops others from entering in or warning them about what it means to enter in. So by saying we all drink the same spiritual drink and then we are all baptized in the Spirit, we all sit at the same table or in the same household with the same Father, it means we are a new culture. We are one. We are related and therefore can and should relate and have relationship with each other regardless of who we are naturally. That we are called to be family and live and act like family. Not only that, but the baptism in the same spirit spiritually means we were washed and made clean by the same Lord and the same stuff. That, how can I say it? We, we were bathed in the same bath water, y'all, sharing the same soap in the same rags, wiping butts and faces and faces and butts all together. Y'all didn't, you know, back in the day. My brothers, we, we'd be sharing the same tub. We'd be in there. Water get a little dirty. That's all right. And we know nothing makes you brothers and sisters like sharing a bath and a rag together. Wash my mom and daddy. It just doesn't leave you. Right? I, my dad even has some pictures, y'all. There's proof. My brother and I shared a bath together. And if you look at our faces, we were happy to be in that tub together. All kind of boats and swimming guys, you know, little ones that do like, like we, we were glad to be in there together. There's proof in the photo album. And sometimes we look at that and we're like, oh, man, I love you, brother. Right? We were in the bath together. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's true. And now, you know, you look at this Bible. It's proof, y'all. You were washed in the same spirit. You look around this room and see each other with some amazement that, that rub-a-dub-dub, right? We all came out of God's Holy Spirit tub, right? Like, you, you look around and you, you got to say it. How did they get clean? God's Spirit. How did you get clean? God's Spirit. Same Spirit. Same power. Same redemption. We were in there together. We're brothers and sisters. We are a family of God because of it. 
I don't understand back then, like today, this is drinking, this drinking, the same drink and food and water stuff is revolutionary because you didn't and couldn't cross those lines. The Christianity the Bible is describing is like a meeting at the back roads of society to all these people hanging out and declaring brotherhood and neighborhood and bodyhood and nationhood here with each other because of God's call on people. It was not, it, it not only was revolutionarily crazy, this Christianity class and living stuff was playing dangerous and scary socially and politically and potentially offensive personally to people. See, we, we like to make this thing cute. But when you're in a real body life, it gets difficult, doesn't it? Remember we went to, Kelly went to the, her first Clemson game at Death Valley, that beautiful orange place. And I'm walking around, I am happy with my people, right? And Kelly stopped and said, Howard, have you noticed how many white people are here? I'm like, oh my gosh, we are in a sea of orange and white skins. I didn't know. I felt like I was apart. Kelly showed me something different. She says, Howard, if something went off up in here and people, they didn't like black people, we would be done. They wouldn't find us. They just didn't look like me. I looked around and I noticed it for the first time. Right? But when I graduated right, and went to the games and basically drank the same orange Kool-Aid, that was all it took for me. I forgot for a minute, y'all. I got a little stupid. Remember, I was at a game. Maybe it wasn't the same game. This was in when I was in college there. It's a hard one to tell. But so we're playing this team. We're, we're, we're like barely, like, this is before we were like a perennial powerhouse team. But <laughs> the. Like, so we were happy when we won. We're supposed to win now. And so somebody threw a ball, like the other team threw a ball, and our guy intercepted it. And we're all like, yeah! I mean, we're jumping up and down all together. And I hear somebody in the back, run, N-word, run. Run, N-word, run. And my arm is moving, happy. And my Clemson brother and friend is saying that. Diverse community? Are we ready for it? Do we know what God's really calling us to? Yes, it was in some way, some sort of way, sideways and backside connection. Me and that racist person had. We were all happy about the touchdown, though we expressed it in ways that were not so connecting of us socially, in ways we should confront each other as not okay. I use a hard illustration on purpose. Because look at the description Paul uses in verse, 15, in verse 13. Do you see it? For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. Do y'all see any problem in this list? They should have four different churches so they can have a good church service, right? So they can be homogenous, so they can 
grow faster in their church planting model, right? You don't put these four people together. This is going to be trouble. Someone's going to drop the S word, slaves. Or somebody's going to drop the G word, Gentile or Jew. Like somebody's going to say something wrong. They're broken up into four separate groups. And it's crazy that the Apostle Paul would say, these four groups, right? One spirit, one Lord, one baptism. They have such animosity between each other. As you look at history and you look at this Bible, they would even say it is impossible for them to be a believer. It can't be. This community, this church community like ours is not only people with a history of religious differences or economic differences or cultural differences. That's just the beginning of what Paul is showing here. There's something more amazing. This is oppressor and oppressed together. These are hated and haters called to be together. These are those people you talk about or laugh about or plot against and talk about overturning and sit around the table at family or culturally monolithic gatherings and say stuff like, you ever notice when a white person does this or a black person or Hispanic or Asians or poor people? And we say all sorts of things when we drive through wealthy neighborhoods, right, about folks. I know I do it sometimes. Just hating and jealous, Right? Or when folk get together and talk about how this one smells like wet bologna and that one here smells like old grease or fried chicken. Or you know it must be all those jojoba oils and African oils those people layer on or they got two flat these or too big this. Ha ha and hee hee and laughing. And looking at this list, some who would see these as people, some of these people see these as people you don't want moving in your neighborhood. And bringing your property values down. And I'm just talking about real estate. Property values in the spiritual realm. And who look like and may even be the ones who stole stuff off your porch or overlooked you for the promotion. Who don't want you to move into their neighborhood. These are folks who may even use racial slurs when they're in comfortable company to refer to you or allow them to be used to refer to you. And we will go into that deeper next week. But I am purposefully, right, purposely talking in extremes to tell you what this must have felt like and what God is calling us to. Paul is saying God is calling us together with the ones who don't get your jokes or like your TV shows, or live in a fantasy world of privilege that you never knew, and who talk in ignorant ways about race and poverty. These are your family. How and why could this be? Well, the scripture tells us God has invited them to the table to eat and drink and participate with you together to drink the cup of God's privilege and the cup of God's suffering. They have the same rights and status spiritually. And now the big jump in all this, because when you think about who you are called to be in the body with, even in a so-called progressive church like Christ Central has been described, and describing us progressive out there in the world is not always a positive thing, trust me. It's a new word for liberal. We're a liberal church. We're a progressive church. In our world, we're liberal and progressive, okay? But it must make you look around and think to yourself and look up to heaven and say, them? These people up in here? God, you must be kidding me. A family that should function like one for real, for real, right? Or just, should we just be the idea of a church? Like some of us leave here and we have the idea of being one family out of all these people. You come here, you kind of take a video in your mind. Wow, I'm at a diverse church. Whoopee! And it ain't real. 
See, you and I, sorry, y'all, it's going to be some pastor in here today, like some deep stuff. I, I didn't expect to preach. Sorry, y'all going to get it a little bit. But, and I am too, because I got it first when I went through the word, okay? You and I are called by God as a family to not just live it spiritually or emotionally, right? Or, or something we tell our friends. Hey, my pastor's black. I'm pretty good. Or I'm black. I, you know, most of the people in my church white. I'm pretty good. Just want y'all to know. But it's just, it's just, a, it, it, it's just Epcot Center, y'all. It's just, we haven't used this term in a long time. Y'all just coming to safari up in here. And the way this building looks, y'all taking a luxury safari. Because the reference to Jesus at the end of verse 12. Let me see what it says here, right? Let's see again. For just as the body is one and has many members and all members of the body, though many are, are one body, so it is with Christ, right? <laughs> Our call as believers together is not just spiritual, it's saying. Y'all, who didn't know? Our Lord came in the flesh. Jesus was not a spiritual idea. He's a historical reality, right? He's incarnated. He had a real body to live out his spiritual purposes and was really a spiritual and divine God, but was present and hung out in real time and space and place. Get this, with human beings. Now hear this now. He hung out with human beings whose sin and ignorance and arrogance offended him as God and whom he would have to die for so that he could call and make people like you and me brothers and sisters. You want to talk about the person most offended, right? The person who was in a situation with people who really hated him? It was Jesus, and he hung out with us anyway, and he still hangs out. Y'all got all kind of mess. You say all kind of things. You live all kind of ways, and Jesus says, I'll hang out with him. Right? See, this is real stuff in our spiritual call to be uh, called by God to be together. Real words, real touching, right? Real sitting in the same room and really holding hands and, and really coming up and taking the Lord's Supper together because God has made us to be together as part of a body. And so there is this ironic situation that develops in Corinth and now with us in being a family and more succinctly put in the scriptures. A body, right? It's called a body. And some of you have heard that term if you've been a part of a church, have been around the church, that we talk about being a body. Being a body means that God has made you as an individual to be a part of a whole. Only a part and truly a part, but a necessary part of the body. Look at verse 14 through 16. It says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Simply put, if you call yourself a believer, you are a part of the body. Just because you don't want to be a part doesn't mean you ain't a part. You are part of the body, God's spiritual and physical community of faith. When you become a believer, whenever, wherever, you became a puzzle piece. You ever see a puzzle on a piece on the ground? Where does it go, right? It has a box. It forms a picture. It's missing. It looks stupid alone, right? Hey, I found a puzzle piece. Aren't y'all happy? No, we're not happy until it finds its place in the whole thing. 
You're a Phillips or a flathead, a screw, a wrench, a nut. <laughs> You're an eye or an eye socket, a hand or a foot, right? No one, no believer, human being for that matter, really, if you're just human. Okay, so you're not a believer today. All right. If you're human, right, you're not made to be alone, right? See, this is redeemed reality. This ain't something special. This is the way we were originally created to be, part of a bigger body, right? If Adam and Eve never sinned, we would still function as one part of a whole. As a matter of fact, when he made Adam, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a help meet for him. The beginnings of community, right? This is what it means to be human, much less a believer, right? So this passage is expressing that it is sheer madness. Understand the madness of it and absurdity and ignorance and immaturity for some of you, right? Since I am not metaphorically speaking a hand or a foot, I am out of here, right? Or not here. Or for an ear to stand up and say, because I'm not an eye, I'm out of here, uh, or I'm not here, right? Because I'm not like this person, this super spiritual, truly Presbyterian, or educated, or theologically astute, or white, or black, or, or married, or able to do this, or that, or lead in this way, or have this kind of ability, or that person, I don't like who I am. I am out of here. I am no longer part of the body. Sorry, you are. You're just walking around looking crazy, like, like a nose walking around without the rest. I don't care how much philosophy you put with it. It don't work. Because regardless of how you feel about yourself or how you see other folks, you will not stop or cease being a part of the body if you are in Christ. You're called to fit in to a community with others as part of your Christian identity. And, it just, and it's just as absurd and bizarre as, again, as an eye or a hand walking around by itself. In other words, there is no such thing, hear me, because we did a lot of this in campus ministry and, you know, coming to Jesus at some tent revival. There is no such thing pure, as a purely personal relationship with God. I kind of emphasized this last week. I got a personal relationship with God. I don't need y'all. And we've already been through the thief on the cross theology. He didn't have no friends. He went to heaven. Right. He didn't go to church. He, didn't go. he wanted to, y'all. If you have a personal relationship with God, and that means you ain't really connected with the community, you're just kind of living on the outskirts, you need to question whether you got a personal relationship with God. Nothing can be that personal, and you continue to be a thriving, growing believer. It just, the Bible doesn't, I, I can't find anything in here like that. I can't find anything like, he walked alone. Woo, he was something. He chose to walk alone. He was the man. I ain't never seen nothing like that. Outside of our Lord alone went to the cross. And even he, before he went to the cross, prayed to God the Father. You and I are one, Lord. I send the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, right? Look at, look at verse 15 and 17. I'm walking through this thing. Okay. Um, let's go to 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And then I think I had 21 down here. I don't know why. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Okay, I'm going to age myself. And for those of you who are over 40 
maybe 45, <laughs> just got there, but I'm happy. Okay. Y'all remember the Adams Family? That creepy show? Dun, 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 the Adams Family. Okay, maybe y'all remember the song. But do y'all remember Thing? Thing was the hand without the body that would answer the door and answer the phone and just show up, just wrist up. <laughs> Y'all, Thing on Adam's family would die and rot and stink because Thing is just a hand. It's Fiction, y'all. I don't know if y'all know. It's a lie. Thing can't see. Thing doesn't have a brain. It has no eyes, no stomach. Things needs a body to work, and the rest of the body needs thing to do its thing right. It's horrific alone. It's creepy like it was supposed to be, and evil by itself. It's the Adam family. Everything on that show is evil and crooked. So a hand walking by itself, it's crooked, evil, strange, maybe demonic, something ain't right. I don't want to see it. Y'all want Thing walking around? No, I don't. If you see Thing, get to running or get off the drugs. Because if you see something like Thing, it's safe to say something went wrong for Thing to be living and functioning or dysfunctioning like a Thing alone, right? So why are you? What's this say about you? You're walking around. I got Jesus. And you're walking around like Thing. Yes, Creepy. I hate to describe Christianity as creepy, but it can be. I've been creepy before, too. I don't want nobody. I'm doing my own thing with Jesus. I'm tired of the church. Creepy. Get away from me or help me. Read these verses again. We recognize there is no such thing spiritually like a believer who is not part of a body. And there is no part that is too bad or too good or enough for the body. So something dysfunctional is going on in the body to make someone say or act hating on each other or even on yourself. Think if your hand just falls off or your eyes stop working. You know what you say? Something wrong. It's not right if that stuff moves on its own or doesn't work. It just do its own thing. When something moves on its own, that's a tick, a seizure, or something. And if it doesn't work or falls off, that's a problem, right? And, and so when believers refuse to live in community together or do their part for the community, something is really wrong in them or happening wrong to them. It might mean racism or classism and sexism are alive among us in a way that's destroying the individual part. We are invalidating and marginalizing our call to be here or each other. Or if you, you just want to give up or, uh, on them or get rid of them without confrontation or biblical conflict resolution, something is wrong with that. If you feel free or we let you be free to just go AWOL, you, you, you know, you or their sense of significance to the body, then that means you or your sense of significance of the body, rather, is not worth biblically fighting for. I said biblically fighting for. Then something is wrong if we don't fight for you. <laughs> Struggle in a church community. Hard work. So we fit are a sign of health sometimes. 
more than separating and going AWOL. When something go wrong, you know what most of us do? We just disappear. I know it's fashionable to use the following term. I just wasn't shepherded well. Right? They just didn't care for me. And that may be true. But why is that always first? After you disappear. I want to know. This, this is this, this here, here is a, well, this ain't in here. So y'all getting this for free. All right? So add that to my time. Listen. I have yet to hear, I really tried to get shepherding and an elder told me no. Right? Or, like, something's wrong with that automatic jumping to that. Especially, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to protect, we do everything we can to shepherd you better and care for you and make sure you're seen and heard and cared for. We're going to do everything we can. I promise. I'm going to try. And I promise we'll fail, too, sometimes. Right? But you can't leave and then start saying, nobody shepherded me. You're part of the body, right? A pastor, an elder, a deacon, a woman shepherd, we're part of the body too. We're not over the body. We are part of the body, and we have a particular role. Your role in being a part of the body is the same as ours if you're a member, and that is stay a part of the body. Paul is expressing that if that kind of stuff's going on, jealousy and envy of each other is your default, or you are driven to purge or purify others of yourself to make you more comfortable, then Paul is saying something is wrong deeper. And here's where help is going to come from. Um, I used to a lot like um, that show House and, um, you know, the kind of crazy neurotic doctor. <clears throat> and I could always guess was three things that was wrong, right? What's wrong? They can't stop moving their leg or something like that. Something, just, just coming up with something. And most times than not, it was the brain or the heart, right? It's the heart. That's what's making the toe do that. And like, what? I didn't know the heart was that important. Well, let me take yours out and see. No, but I, I just didn't know it worked all that kind of stuff. The problem with the church in Corinth is, is with our ability to be a functioning body of believers is we can't be a living and thriving, connected community if we are cut off in some way from the mind and heart of the body, which is God himself. That we are not at peace as a part of the community with other people of the body because ultimately, hear me now, we are having a hard time with the head of the Bible in the church, in the body, Jesus Christ. Look at verse 18 with me. It says here, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose, each one as he chose, okay? So when we rebel against community, when we go AWOL, when we live our life in the shadows of community, when we allow racism and sexism and envy and ambition and fear and rejection to win, to divide us, we are actually angry or disappointed and misinformed about what God has done in calling us to be a part of a body. You ain't mad at me. You ain't mad at the next person. You're kind of disappointed at God's design. 
And when we hate on each other or overlook each other or make ourselves scarce from community, we truly hate and distress who and what and where God has called and made us and overlook what he's doing and done for us. And as we think about what God is calling us to, to be a body of diverse and sometimes offensively diverse community, sometimes I find it hard to trust that God is actually wanting this thing to be. I look around sometimes, I'm like, this can't be real, this can't be real, God. This can't be right. God, you Frankenstein together this thing and called us a life together to get life from each other and for each other. That just seems off and weird. Christianity ain't right, right? But here's the good news and hope for our doubt and discouragement. The Lord himself gives his life to the body. See, your hand, your foot, your leg, your eye, but you are not the life of the body. That's good news because if you were, we'd all be like you. And if we all like you, we'll be messed up, right? And you know it because you know you don't have it all. I think it's right to envision the body like a Frankenstein creation. It is a potential monster, this church. If we all trying to be multi-ethnic, oh, we're we going to do it. We're going to be diverse and try to reach a minister to people where everyone has a complaint about how they're left out or misunderstood and can't get back in. If we were to try to do that on our own, it would be a beast, right? It would be a monster out of control. Because guess what? This is what you hear. Uh, Okay, any kind of church like ours or any church, I'm just going to go with our kind of issues. Things ain't black enough at this church. Y'all didn't do black history enough. Oh, you did it too much. You're not to the right enough or to the left enough. And with, all, with different parts from different places sewn together like to live together and no longer not right for, for it to never, ever not be together or work together, right? It, 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 it better just to put it all back in the former grave sometimes, right? But in the illustrious words of Dr. Frankenstein, good news, it's alive. God has made the body to live. Oh, this is awesome. To flow with his healing and loving grace. And that is his doing, and we must trust him in it as we are together as a people who are the body. Look with me at verse 21 through 30 real quick. Man, that's a lot. Okay. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the hand, again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret. I'm going to stop right there. What this is saying is that it is true that the body should take care of the parts that are hurting the most. So that the answer to how hard it is to be 
the body is to be and stay and work in the body. Let, 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 me, let me kind of break this down. If you're having a hard time being the part of the body you are, the answer is being a part of the body and allowing the life of Christ to heal where you are hurting. You can't be healed of the hurt you feel if you are not part of a body, right? I'm hurting, so I'm going to drop off. No, if you hurt and you drop off, you get gangrene, right? You, you, you must stay part of the life of the body in order for the issues that sometimes come up in the body, racism and sexism and all this kind of stuff, to be healed. That's how it happens. I know it's ironic. I know it's backwards. But most things about Christianity, as far as the world is concerned, are pretty backwards. Because we got to go backwards, reverse all the mess we did, right? You put your car in reverse when it messes up. Well, that's not a good illustration. But anyway. When your hand hurts, your legs sit down so that the other hand can help. The neglected and hurt and acting up or dysfunctioning or easy to forget parts gets the attention. But understand that only happens because of what? Verse 24 tells us, which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, it says, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. God has brought his heavenly design through the Bible with the gifts and church offices and leadership structures and order that we read about the apostles and teachers and all that stuff so that we can feel each other and not be neglected and not be overlooked and not move on to joy when the, move on when, when another one is suffering, alienated from God and others. Being in the body with God at work makes it work and works out all of the mess that actually divides us. God has designed some of you to be a foot, per se, so that the hand would not feel neglected. And when the foot helps the hand by the grace of God's work, then guess what? The foot feels and knows its worth, and the hand definitely does too, right? If you're feeling left out or looked over or angry or want to get rid of someone else or, or live to be like, or you want to be like somebody else because you don't like who you are and you want to leave being in fellowship or community or just sitting around being jealous and angry at God, some of us are at home right now in that state. Submit your hurts to the body not to get rid of yourself or others to, and go get those who are outcast. What am I saying? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying this. If you see something hurting in the body, right, low participation, whatever, whatever it is, okay, low morale, bring it in. Bring it center. Bring, bring attention to it as a body. We can't move on. Right? We move to you. Actually burden the body with what is going on. I want to move on, y'all. I don't want to have to deal with the same problems y'all having. I don't. I want us to all get together. Everybody's good. The races, we doing good. Male and female, we doing good. We ain't, though. We don't move on. The ministry of Christ is moving in on all of that stuff, and that's how we move on. 
I know some churches, we just, we, we just want to have a cosmetic situation so that we can look good and grow and feel good about ourselves. But this is not cosmetic. This is the work of the gospel. This is ministry of the body. When you submit your issue or bring a person who is hurting into the body, God has given it in its function the correction, the love, the direction, the worth you need. Think about the giftless. Some of, some of who are prejudiced or jealous or feeling worthless or lost, you need some preaching. Some of you need eldering. Some of you need physical attention. Some of us need some administration, I do, or a healing to our bodies and others, a, a straight miracle. And some of us need who, someone who can speak into our lives in our language, right? A gift of tongues. Some of our women, you women who are terrified of women's stuff because you got women mom issues need the gift of women's ministry. And you men with all of our daddy issues actually need a daddy in the community. Come to the body to be the body as the body. God has given his life to it in its design to give life to you and me. God has made you and called you. Whether hand or a foot or sometimes a backside, y'all. It's the body of Christ, the life power of the Holy Spirit. God himself flows not only to you, to you, but through you. Did you know that? In the body of Christ is not only directions for reconciliation, justice, and peace, but power. Power to change hearts. Power to change lives is right up in this room. And it doesn't happen without you. What? I said this last week. I know some of y'all think that all the stuff happens from up front. No, it happens through you. You are the body. The blood flows through you. Some of y'all are forearm. You ever think about a forearm? Like, we don't talk about forearms a lot unless we're working out, right? Like, the, the forearm. Look. I know it looked like everybody getting attention, doing all the grabbing and the pointing and the bringing, but if you are forearm, the life of the body can't even get to the hand without you. Not all gifts are miraculous looking, but as they work together, the miracle, God's unconditional love and grace are brought to each other in the world. So if all you do is complain and stay away and aren't an active part of body, that's a real problem. And who am I talking about when I say be a part of it? Yes, I'm talking about you. Especially you who sometimes question your usefulness compared to others. I know there's a lot of you. Lately I've been reading stuff on um, and hearing lectures and stuff about don't ask why. I, I, sometimes I just go down a list of some TED Talks and I just let it keep going. This thing about middle age to older women. And I just, just being with the women shepherds, and, and by the way, I'm married to one too. Somebody who's more incredible after 40, right? In more ways than not, right? Th that are good and necessary and awesome and giftings for the body. You know, like the wisdom. The life lessons are incredible, and you are important. Sometimes I look around. Like we talked at the staff meeting. Our men's ministry, it looked kind of weak right now. Like, like who's going to step out? Who's going to lead? Like, what, what's going on? You is what's going on. 
Yeah, you, black man or young black man or woman, or if you're a youth feeling like you ain't much because you aren't that many, not that many of you around, you are that much more important, the scripture is teaching. God has called and given you gifts to fit in and get in where you fit in. Yeah, you, single men and women. You know what the Bible teaches? Your gifting is double-downed and double-powerful coupled with your gift of singleness. You have twice the ability. I'm half, right? I got a wife. I got kids. I got to do stuff at home. I got to take the trash out, right? I'm like, hey, let's go out to eat. We can talk about the Lord. And I got three hungry people looking at me. Dad, what about us? We got to eat. Dang. Dad, when you, I'm meeting, boop, boop, when you coming home. Ah, I was just about to get to the good discipleship part, right? But some of you, you single, wow, you can take the whole thing home, right? You can do it all. Look how God's using you. You're a part of the body. And I know it's easy to look around and say, it's the married people with kids who get all the attention. I know it seems that way. But we need you so we can be healthy too. And I'm not talking about come and watch our kids for us. No, I'm not talking about that. I need to hear your stories. I need your help. It really doesn't get any better than who you are in fitting in with the body right now. Because the life and power of God, Jesus Christ is here for you and for each and all of us through each and every one of you. And you won't know what your gift is unless you come in with the body. Some of y'all don't know your hand, don't know your knee. Some of y'all didn't know you were an incredible foot, right? Because you're not connected to the body. Where are you? Who do you know in here? Who knows you? We need to know you. If you're not a member of a church, you need to find one. Don't have to be this one. Some community of faith. You are a puzzle piece in a larger puzzle that God is using to bring his grace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the body. We need the life because <laughs> there's all kind of mess between us. There's all kind of mess in us. Heal it as you bring us together, I pray. Lord, some of us are looking around thinking it's impossible. I'm too ruined. I'm too far gone. Heal us. Heal us by the life of the body. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.